Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everyone. You're listening to Vox Poetica's 15 Minutes of Poetry, and I'm Anne-Marie Lockhart, your host. And I'm here today with an author from California where it is not freezing, and his name is Danelle McGee. Hi, Danelle. Thank you for joining me today. Hi, Anne-Marie. Thanks for having me. Thanks. Um, so since it's not freezing out there... <laughs> <laughs> but it is a little earlier in the morning. I feel like maybe that helps a little, makes up for it a little bit. Um, it's nice in California, I, yeah. <laughs> uh, we're going to start with a poem, so why don't you read us something? Okay, sure. I'm gonna, I'll read, um, this is a poem, it's a narrative poem called And Here I Sit, and it's from the new manuscript called Naked. So here we go. And Here I Sit, with the friction of the past crashing in too quickly, And here I sit as a white man. And here I sit as a black man. And here I sit on a motel bed wanting to ask this brown-haired girl, how does she end up in a room like this? But I don't, because she may ask me the same. Instead, she keeps one leg in her jeans, puts a condom on me, makes her vagina tight by sticking three fingers inside, and with her eyes closed, she moves. And this is where I lose myself, a blend of two, right here, right here in this poem, going between two worlds, blowing away from my blackness, trying to make right of my whiteness, blowing away from my whiteness, trying to make right of my blackness. I think that poem is a a very um, apt introduction to the book. Um, Definitely. And you touch on a yeah. lot in that one poem, which is not an overly long poem, but you touch on a lot that gets explored more fully in the book. Talk a little bit about the book. Tell us about it, please. Of course, yeah. I mean, you know, the book is is it's a poetic memoir of sorts. It's very lyrical and narrative. Um, the structure is definitely, I mean, the, from the confessional school of poets to look at addiction in terms of sexual addiction, in terms of alcoholism and drug addiction, but also uh, identity of race, um, families breaking apart, but also reforming, um, looking for a mother and a father and family trying to reunite. So it's kind of a narrative theme that kind of uh, goes throughout the book. And this poem touches on just um, the, the narrator of the poem trying to figure out where he belongs as he looks for his, his, his family, in, in, in essence, but also mm-hmm. his identity, his sexuality, and his, um, his race. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not. It is. Uh, there is so much contained in the story, and I, you know, it's got. It's definitely edgy, and it's got dark moments. But it's also a very um, redemption-based story. So, talk to us a little bit about balancing those ingredients in one tale, if you will. Of course, yeah. I mean, when I wrote Naked over a series of a few years, uh, it was part of two manuscripts actually, and I tried to put those together to blend into one to one narrative. But I had a, a, a teacher in my MFA program at Goddard College, Banu Capel, and when I wrote these poems during that two-year period I was in grad school, you know, I mentioned, like, how much can a poet share without, you know, because I'm sharing things about family, about myself, of course, and about just growing up in the environment I grew up in, and there was some concern, how much can I share without hurting others and mm-hmm. never my intent, you know, always come from a place of love. 
And she told me, she said, you know, Donnell, when you write, as long as you come from a place of love, you know, your poetry will transcend. And that that's really what I kind of followed as far as the book, is trying to redeem, including myself, mm-hmm. um, those old stories that really shook my body and broke me apart at times in my life. And hopefully it can help someone else, you know, once they read the, the manuscript. But, um, yeah, it's it's definitely confessional poetry coming from the school of Anne Sex and Sylvia Plath, um, mm-hmm. how you can use poetry in some instances to kind of heal and to move forward. Um, so, yeah, it's been, a, it's been a quite, the last few years trying to revise and move towards the, um, the actual final manuscript has been a process. When, um, when you and I talked about the book in the first few conversations there, we were actually looking at it in the two manuscript format. Um, mm-hmm. And I want to talk a little bit about the mechanics and the craft of blending those two manuscripts into one, if you will. Yeah, that was and that was that was a beautiful process because um, one was called Homecoming, one was called Forget Me Not, and they really overlapped. And getting your mm-hmm. insight and your advice was really instrumental in the in shaping these. Um, homecoming could have been more of a, I guess, a memoir, um, mm-hmm. although it was in poetic form. And Forget Me Not was just even edgier, raw, like a lot of short, um, contracted poems that were really short in nature, out of couplets a lot of like four or five line poems that were really sharp and very poignant. So taking, I tried to take Homecoming and take the longer narrative thread and infuse it in it to forget me not to make it more of a complete story, if that makes sense, in terms of how I can tell yeah. the story um, a, little, a little bit better, but also in a lyrical way. And also in the book, yeah. you know, there's music in the book. I use a lot of like um, the Jimi Hendrix essence, uh, Lou Reed, Janis Joplin, they'll make appearances in the book. So trying to use music as the healing process also, along with the lyrical poetry and the narrative thread to kind of link those two together. And I also, I think uh, one of the things that happened in that, so some of what was retained mm-hmm. um, in merging the two books was a, it, that lyrical component, definitely, and the musicality of it, but also with that sharper edged, you know, t- um, punctuation, if you will, that kind of um, yeah. you fit that into the more lyrical um, meshing of the story. I, you know, I, I, I don't know if I'm explaining this at all well, but I think there's a there's a little bit of um, maybe a pacing here and there that that um, mm-hmm. was altered a bit in doing that, and I think that works. I think it works really well when you read the book as it is right now. Yeah, I agree. I agree, Emery, because the pacing, yeah, it it moves like a it's like a story in a way. It definitely moves along yeah. the um the the structure. And um, I had some good advice from uh, a few mentors, and and really kind of like you can also take this and you can use the you said musicality to really kind of yeah. liven up the the structure. So that really helped too. You know, um, when we're when we're writing about difficult material, um, mm-hmm. sometimes. You know, some of those some of those things are best left really straight, told in a very direct format, and sometimes that lyricality almost serves to um, accentuate the power of the story by by um, uh, taking the reader a little bit out of mode. And I think mm-hmm. some of um, that in this book was very intentionally and creatively done to kind of. Um, put the reader in a place to hear something that might be otherwise hard to hear. You know, it makes it a little little more palatable, a spoonful of sugar kind of concept. Um, 
Yeah. How how much of your writing is intuitive that way um, versus very stylized? You know, when you're writing something that's hard, how do you decide which which tone to use? I guess in a, in a particular poem. I you know my, I when I go to the page, I mean I I really try to to get it out first, let it come out mm-hmm. just raw. I mean <laughs> however it comes out on the page. And then when I go back to reshape and revise, I try to look at, you know, each word and, you know, make sure that word has a place in the poem. But going back to your earlier thought, like, how can you make it where, because I'm writing about a lot of, you know, so-called dark things that happened in the past or images from the, that, I've, that I've been through or witnessed. And I've always tried to let the reader into that world, but also let the reader, let he or she realize that this is a slice of, of you know of America, Americana, of our world, mm-hmm. and that we can share these things in a poetic way um, that also can bring beauty and bring redemption and bring healing. So when mm-hmm. I write, I mean, I I don't try to I don't censor. I put it out there, but I, I never try to be like a sensationalistic poet. I wanted to be mm-hmm. really that this is what you know is one experience of one poet or one observation of one poet. So I always try to make it like this is this is real. But this comes from a place mm-hmm. of love. It comes from a place of of, of art. You know that we go mm-hmm. through these things that can that can redeem and that can move forward and move others forward too. So that makes Would sense. You, of, you know how I kind of approach yeah, the poem. I, I think it makes a lot of sense, and I think what you, the most important piece that you said there was that it's art. You know that's that is the thing, and that that is yeah. where the redemption comes from. Um, yeah. I would like you to read something else from the book, if you will. Sure, sure. This, so one of the, the main characters um, in the manuscript is, of course, my mother, who's, and I call her Ma. So, Dear Ma, Dreaming, 1979. Dear Ma, I saw you, your red hills slicing night on the Ave next to Johnny's pastrami stand. I saw you strutting over slick pavement, your white dress faded, threads running down its side. And you soared above the streetlights, rising above Crenshaw, them beams got you on spotlight, ma. Your arms held high and open as if you were waiting for some night to scoop you up. Help you flow to a time where you sat innocent in front of a television chewing on buttered popcorn. All the while giggling, your tight ponytail at rest between your shoulder blades. But this image fades. My dream cuts back to night where you were sprawled out on some dirty motel bed, a drug dealer's prize. Ma. I saw you walk in the Ave. Tell me I'm dreaming. Wake me. Won't you? Wake me. Now, the book is set in the, on the West Coast, um, and mm-hmm. you, you locate place in a lot of the poems, but I don't feel like it's a West Coast story. <laughs> you know, and I think okay, that yeah. poem you just read, talks a little bit, exemplifies a little bit. There's um, there's a little bit that, you know, could have been in mm-hmm. New York, that could have been down south, that could have been, in, you know, up yeah. north. There's so yeah. many places that that kind of sing mm-hmm. in that piece. Um, and, I, and I think that's uh, um, not something that people always do very well. I mean, some people write about a place and the place becomes a character, but I don't think that's, that happens in this book. Was it um, was it part of your awareness when you wrote it that 
where this was happening was vital or just backdrop, I guess, is my question. You know, it's a great point. A lot of this takes place in, of course, Los Angeles, but that was more the backdrop. That's where I grew mm. up. But it, it could be in any city, in any, any, yeah. any city, any town. Um, but, you know, a lot of it does take place on 13th Ave, which is my grandparents' home where I grew up a lot of my life. And that was the backdrop, kind of the setting there. But it does shift. I mean, it goes from, you know, L.A. on to Central California and so, so forth. But that was never the main part of the story. Um, it was yeah. one of the characters, the uh, the poems, and then it happened to be where they took place, but that was never the main focus, yeah, as you say. You know, I think that um, that allows us to gain a sense for where it's happening, but also to imbue that with our own geography, if you will, um, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. also makes the material, the difficult parts as well as the the other parts that are not so difficult, that makes it all a little more easy to put together, I think, when people are hearing it, you know. Yeah, it's I agree. It's not foreign, I, it's not yeah. different. Mm-hmm. And the leader can relate and kind of, yeah, put him, himself or herself in that situation. Yeah. Um, now, how did you navigate um, this a very, there's a lot of, this is a, an incredibly truthful story, but how did you navigate uh, the terrain of fact for it. Um, and I like to explore um, the idea of fact and truth, where they converge, where they diverge, and how you you take pieces yeah. of one to create the other and sometimes leave pieces of it out in order to do that better. You know, what do you alter, what do you keep, and how do you make that decision? Yeah, that, that's beautiful because um, the, the poems throughout the, the manuscript, the book, there's some where I bring in, I mean, of course, it's based in fact, but there's also, you know, truth and perception also, my perception. Mm-hmm. So there's right. some poems where I bring in imagery and I bring in song. Um, one of the poems called Homecoming, um, it brings in a lyrical song that is sung in the poem, which is not truthful, but it's just based in the spirit of the poem of that time period. So for me, I tried to approach, you know, first of all, putting the poems down, making sure that they were, because... Some of the poems here are talking about other people in my life, and they may read this, so I want those to be truthful. But also in a way where you bring it in with a, with a touch of artistic license where you can mm-hmm. make sure that it's, uh, it's, it's lyrical, it's flowing. But one thing I did do before my mom passed away, I had her read the manuscript, both, both mm-hmm. manuscripts, and, cause, and it was so beautiful. She was like, I know you got it right. And, and mm. not that I want her approval, but it made it like this is you're the main character in the, in the you know in this book, and it was important you know to have her read these poems. And she said, "You got it right. Thanks for writing these poems down." And that just made the book worth writing because it's really from my mother. So, mm-hmm. but um, but yeah, a lot of the poems they're, they're based in truth, but of course there's some imagery, there's some lyric, there's some there's some fantasy that is interwoven in, with the poems. But it's all based on a realistic moment that I've been through, that I've witnessed. Was it hard for you to show that to your mom? Had she read any of the poems individually before seeing the full manuscript? You know, Anne-Marie, she, she hadn't. And it was so funny. I called her one night on the phone, and I just said, I want to read this book to you. She's okay, let me get comfortable. And she just, she just listened, and we just laughed, and we cried. And she said, and I said, Mom, did I get this right? Because I want to make sure, you know, she said, you got it right. And that right there was this book is this book is the book of love. And I was like, you know what? Then mm-hmm. if I got it right, 
and that yeah so we just laughed at night and cried and and then I sent her a copy of the you know that it was at that time it was the uh, draft but yeah mm-hmm. so that was a, yeah, it was a beautiful night it must have been extraordinarily validating for you to have that experience with her it it really was it really was and you know my mom was the uh, was a prostitute and that's how I came about you know my dad was a John and Thank goodness now that, you know, I've met my dad and we have a great relationship and my mother left, you know, she passed away two years ago, but we had a chance to reunite all three of us. And the book was part of that process, I think. You know, I wrote mm-hmm. this book when I was searching, you know, and, and doing a lot yeah. of um, discovery of myself. So it was definitely validating to have her read it before she passed away. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I think sometimes what, what we craft after somebody dies can be um, – Freeing, but it's not the same thing as getting that that validation from that person while they're still here. You can carry that oh, on. Oh, so true, Emory. So true, Emory. So true. So true. Yeah. And I don't think we don't all get it. <laughs> That's another thing. You know, that yeah. doesn't happen for everybody. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Were you worried when you when you read it to her that she would um, have a hard time with it? Uh, or be resistant maybe to it from your perspective, your your artistic version of it maybe. I was, I was, but after the first few poems, she was like, oh, my God, Donnell, mm. I never maybe knew all these things. I mean, because the poems in the book, they, they're, pretty, they're pretty graphic and they're, they're real. And after the first few poems, she just said, can you stop for me? I said, yeah. She just said, these are just so beautiful. And... Mm-hmm. It, it was yeah, but it was hard to begin the process. But I knew I had mm-hmm. to read it to her. I said I have to read it to my mother and let her let her hear these because, you know, it's like it's kind of like her memoir too in a way. You know? Yeah, yeah, and, and that you're absolutely right. I think that's a great way to look at it. Now, as you just said that last piece, so I'm I'm wondering, you know, about mm-hmm. the truths that you uncovered in the process of writing. Um, were there things that you maybe you maybe didn't realize you knew or understood until you started putting this on the page? Oh yes, yeah. I mean, um, in terms of my life, I mean, just going back to a lot of things from childhood about just in my family um, incest and you know the, the whole like how we functioned. I mean, it was able to kind of. I was able to see it better on the page and doing the different narrative threads. But I also discovered that, you know, how poetry has really shaped my life since I was, you know, a youngster writing down mm-hmm. different journaling things. And it really has, has shaped my life in terms of how I survived, you know, mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, in a lot of ways. So I, I learned a lot about myself and about my mother, too, and about my father, who, you know, I, I, I met and built a relationship with. And also mm-hmm. how I want to be with my kids, you know. So it's really, it's mm-hmm. yeah, it was definitely a journey of discovery. I think um, sometimes we overlook how much of that comes through putting our own words down, telling our own story. I think, you know, mm-hmm. you sometimes forget how layered our stories are. And we think in terms mm-hmm. of the facts we've amassed in our research <laughs> about the world yeah. and our place in it. But then you write yeah. it down and you realize you, you get it on a few different levels that you really weren't thinking about, and then it comes out in the actual work itself. And some of that is where that beauty comes from. It makes it art and transformative. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. How, um, how often have you read these poems live, you know, before an audience? From the, this book, Naked, um, I've, a lot of, see, I've read 
I try to read like once every few months. I'll do like an open mm-hmm. mic or a public reading. So I've read a few of these in public, quite a few, and a lot have been published in like uh, literary journals individually. Yeah. So I've I've read yeah. I've read quite a few over the last three years, quite a few, and and um, it's always been a good response. And I think too, I'm reading like the book. Some of the the things he talked about in the book are taboo, like sex addiction and yeah. prostitution and alcoholism in the family and incest. And I was hoping yeah. that by having this book come out, which I'm so glad you're going to publish it, it's just a beautiful, beautiful thing that people can begin to talk about these things and have an honest dialogue. Because a lot of a lot of men, you know, don't talk about well, sex addiction, what is that? It's taboo. Right. So I was hoping to right. shed light on these issues in a poetic way that can begin conversation and, and some healing around that issue. So that's one of my intentions. So I, I read a lot in public. Yeah, I read, I've read a lot of these in public, and people come up and afterwards, like, that was really powerful. I can, you, why you shared that? And I go, well, that's, truth is truth, you know. So that's, that's how I live yeah. my life. Right? Yeah. Yeah, and I, I agree that I think the dialogue has begun, you know, and I think that um, as the book is released and um, makes its way into the world, it will continue. I mean, it's part of that ongoing conversation that needs to be had, um, you know, for people on all sides of the experience. Um, mm-hmm. Do you find, as you've gone through this uh, process of writing this book, did uh, did you feel like um, maybe you were writing your own story at first, but then as you got through it, it became kind of this voice for a collective of people? maybe more than you realized who'd been affected by all those issues, maybe? Definitely, Emory. Definitely, Emory. I mean, I really felt like in the beginning I was like, oh, I'm kind of writing these, like, personal poems about, yeah. you know, me and my, my poor life. And then I was like, you know what? These are bigger than me. And as I began yeah. to read those in public, I'm like, wow, you can really touch people because you're being honest. And it's in a poetic way, so they kind of – it's not so heavy, you know. But, yeah, right. definitely toward right. – I feel like year two, like these are, these poems are not just about me. This is about this is universal, you know, because right. we all have these different things we go through, you know. So yeah, that's a beautiful question. Yeah. We are running out of time. I would like for you okay. to read another poem from the book. Okay. Okay. This is uh, a poem of redemption. Here, it's called "My Hills Are Burning." My hills are burning. I let my body leave home to find home, breaking numbness away clean skin pulling from bone, I fall to my knees when the tears overtake me. And the white weeping birch kisses my bare toes, I shake my head in a frenzy to stop the crazy. Then there is the pull of the prostitute, flesh, bringing me into the room, slipping of self into rivers of muck, sparks burning my hills when I walk with fire past dirty motels, past broken bodies. You want a date, baby? past women with missing teeth and open red scabs. Have you ever watched your body leave itself and stare right back at you? I let my souls move across bodies full of alcohol, jittery bodies high on blow, faces, nose deep in white powder. I keep moving. I keep moving. Heels digging in and out of them old stories. My cousin spooning me. My brother, me, my cousin, our three bodies rolling inside each other's, my cousin inside my mother, inside me, inside my brother, me inside my brother. I need not question the reasons. These are known. Thank you, Anne-Marie. Um, 
I think those were really beautiful selections from the book, and I thank you for sharing them with us. Um, I would also like to know what else you're working on right now. Right now I'm working on, um, besides doing the revision of the, of the Naked book, I'm working on um, revising a novel called Ghost Man that hmm. um, I'm looking to have published by uh, Brian Borland at Southern Library Press. That's due out mm-hmm. fall 2015, so I'm, I'm working on that revision of that. And then nice. uh, uh, new, uh, yeah, thank you, thank you. And then a book of poetry um, called My Time with Beethoven, where I'm looking at Beethoven's music and trying to put it to <laughs> real-life situations, how they, can, how they overlap in terms of, like, identity and things like that, and um, <laughs> psychology and kind of moving forward. That's my new, my new project. But right now it's about getting naked out there and getting that revised, and then Ghostman is fall 2015. So it's a beautiful life. I feel really, really fortunate. And it's full of creativity. You know, you're you're embedded in so many of these great projects, and that's that's a great thing right there. And the world will welcome all of these these endeavors. So, um, you know, I'm glad I can be a part of part of it. That's great, and I'm I'm really looking forward to releasing this book. Um, everyone listening, keep uh, keep alert for some updates on that. There will be some soon. Um, we got to go. So I want to thank oh. you for joining me today. And um, thank you, you know, let's thank you. let's get this baby out into the world, you know. That sounds great, Anne Marie. Thank you so much for taking the time today. Have a great day. Um, okay, you too. For the rest of you, thank you so much for listening, and I will be uh, back next week with a beautiful writer from Virginia named Frida Landau. Um, you'll want to hear that. And I'm also going to have some updates on not only Janelle's book, but a few more um, wonderful things that will be coming out this year from Unbound Content. Um, In the meantime, you can also check out what's going on at VoxPoetica.com because there's always something new up there every single day, a new poem and um, a whole bunch of cool stuff coming up in the near future. So keep your eyes on that site as well. Thanks, everybody. Have a great day. Um, Stay warm. Bye-bye.